Well, as your pastor, I'm committed to praying for you through this new year and believing for you that this is going to be your year. This is going to be the year that God does something in your life that maybe you don't even expect yet. And uh, I prayed for you this morning. And I just asked God to just do what only he can do. And, you know, here at Community of Faith, we're committed to the truth. And so I'm always going to tell you the truth. And sometimes it kind of smacks us in the face. But for us to be successful, for us to be free, we've got to know the truth. There's a lot of simplistic little cliches out there that uh, we have in Christianity. I call it Christianese. You know, it's kind of its own language. Like someone said to me one time, Mark, you just need to let go and let God. And I'm like, yeah, but what does that mean? I don't even know what that means, right? The answer is Jesus. We know the answer is Jesus, but what does that mean? How do we live this life? How do we do this? You know, even Jesus' disciples, it wasn't enough for someone just to say, hey, pray. They said, Jesus, teach us how to do it, how to pray. That's where the Lord's Prayer comes from. It's that model prayer that he's teaching them how to pray. And the thing about truth is that it can be so simple, but it's not simplistic. In fact, the Bible's very clear that we're very complex, that, that we're uniquely made in, in the image of God, multifaceted. In fact, look what it says in Psalm 139, 14. If you want to pull out your sermon notes, you can follow along. I've got some blanks there for you. I know you'll want to fill in. The psalmist said, thank you, God, for making me so wonderfully complex. Guys, if you're sitting by your wife, lean over and just whisper in her her ear right now. Honey, you are so wonderfully complex. Just try that. And ladies, you can whisper back and you are amazingly simple. No, it's actually, actually God says we're all complex. And the wisest man who ever lived said in Ecclesiastes 7.18, a person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. So we're going to look at how to make this year successful. But we're going to have to understand ourselves. We're going to have to understand how God put us together in order to do that. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. There's a lot of things in your life that you didn't choose. You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose who your parents would be. And some of you are going like, sure didn't. Man, I, got, I lost the lottery on that one, right? But, but here's the thing. There are no accidental babies. God planned you. Now, there might be accidental parents sometimes, right? But there are no accidental babies. And God knew what he was doing. And he even allowed you to have the parents that you have so that he could have you uniquely you. It took those 23 chromosomes from your dad, 23 from your mom to make you. You wouldn't be here if you didn't have those parents. And so God knew that he wanted you it's not an accident where you were born you didn't get to choose what race you are you didn't get to choose the time in which you were born you didn't get to choose and you know the country into which you're born someone has said that life is like a hand of poker you've got to play the hand you're dealt and 
I think that's true. I think even the Bible says that in a sense. But each of the things that we're going to look at today are kind of like the cards in our hand. And, and this is what God has dealt you. And the cool thing about the Bible is it tells us how to win that hand with what we're dealt. And it, it, everything in this world is broken. It, it's marred by sin. I mean, the economy is broken. The, the weather is broken. Relationships are broken. You know, I married a, a sinner. And Laura married a bigger sinner. And uh, all of us are broken. Nothing is the way that God intended for it to be. And nothing in your life is going to be perfect. Every one of these factors that I'm going to talk about, these cards, are flawed. Every one of them. Because... The world has been broken by sin, the Bible says. So the Bible also teaches that we're going to give an account one day to God about how we played the hand we were dealt. Now he's not going to ask me, how did you play your brother's hand in the, in the woodlands? How did you, I, that's his hand to play. How, how did you do with what I gave your dad? No, he's going to say, Mark, what did you do with what I gave you? And Let's look at this because the Bible tells us how to kind of turn this into a winning hand. And 2018 will be different if we do that. So let's look at really five factors that make you you. I think you'll want to write these down and look at them because it's going to give you a lot of insight into yourself. The first one I call my chemistry. My chemistry. This is your chromosomes, your, your, your DNA, your genes, your hormones. It, it's your chemical makeup everything that happens to you in your life happens in this body that God gave us and it's it's a chemical organic makeup some of you were born with a low energy level and that's not wrong you just you're I mean you just were born with a low energy level and that's okay some of you were born with a super high energy level that's nothing to brag about you you just were born with that um Others of you, you know, you're born with a, a structural or, or a chemical weakness in, in your body. Some of us have a predisposition to our back going out. It's just kind of the way our body's wired. Some of us wear glasses. Some of us have weak eyesight. That's not right or wrong. We have biological and chemical deficiencies, and these create emotional issues and even physical problems. If you have low thyroid, for example... You can exercise from now till kingdom come and you're going to be a little sluggish. you got to get thyroid supplement. You know, it, it's just the way it is. It's a physical chemical reaction. If, if you have low calcium and a calcium deficiency in your body, you can think every positive thought you want, but you're still going to have brittle bones if you don't take calcium. If you're low on, on something, the, the shooks are notoriously low as a family down through the generations on serotonin in our brain. I mean, my grandfather uh, was depressed, you know, sometimes. My, my dad was depressed sometimes. I've struggled with panic and anxiety and depression, so is Carrie. So is you know, almost everyone in my family. My kids struggle with it, you know. And, and uh, so that's something that runs through our family that we have to know how to deal with. That we have to work with. You know, think, boy, the Shooks must be really fun at parties, right? You know? No, I mean, we're really hilarious. It's hilarious because everybody has a dry wit and a dry sense of humor, you know, and a little bit sarcastic sometimes. But 
you know, sometimes I'll just look at someone in the family and go, man, you need to go talk to somebody, maybe get a med or something. I don't know, you know. Because there's, there's all of this going on with us. So we have these chemical things. That's one. Number two is my connections. My connections are my relationships in life. And all the experts tell us that those early relationships, they shape us for good or bad. They, they shape us in, in really strong ways. They may have been healthy. They may have been unhealthy. They may have been almost non-existent or they... Or, or they may have been abusive. But how you see yourself is largely determined by what those that you think are the most important in your life, how they see you, especially in that early age. My connections give my life meaning, give my life purpose. If you grew up feeling disconnected from other people, you're going to have a hard time with meaning and purpose in life. You're just going to have that. People who had really healthy early connections, I mean, they're not going, does my life matter? They're not asking that question. But if you didn't have that, you will. And one of the things that we find the Bible tells us is that sin disconnects us. And all of us have sinned. Every single one of us, the Bible says, has sinned and fallen short of what God's glory is for us. He has a a glory plan for us, but we all Miss the mark is what the Bible literally says. We all fall short. It's like an arrow falling short, not even hitting the target, but just landing on the ground in front of it. That's our lives. And Adam and Eve did that first. And what did they do after they sinned in the garden? They sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Now, who told them to cover their nakedness? Was their nakedness a sin? No, it wasn't. But why were they so ashamed? They started to hide themselves. And we've been hiding ourselves Ever since, not just with clothes, but we're afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, does anybody really know you, even those closest to you? Or do you hide behind some things? We can hide behind sarcasm. We can hide behind cynicism. We can hide behind, you know, even just a, a good sense of humor. And a lot of times we just understand that nobody really knows us because we're afraid to be vulnerable. We've been hiding our defects, our faults. Who knows the real you? The more disconnected I am, the more fearful and distrustful I become. And distrust comes from disconnection. And this is a terrible dilemma because we crave connection. We crave it. We crave intimacy. But we fear vulnerability, which is the only way to get to intimacy. Intimacy, you could just define it as into me See, and if I'm not open, you can't see into me. You can't see who I am. And I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy. I'm talking about someone deeply knowing you, heart to heart. You totally get me. You understand me. And you accept me just like I am. We crave that. Number three, circumstances. My circumstances. These are the things that happen to you. They're the things that happen around you and you didn't choose your chemistry you didn't choose your connections and you certainly haven't chosen all your circumstances because some of these things that but crisis and and heartache and hurt they shape us they shape who we are if you've ever been abused I'm so sorry but it is going to shape you it has affected your identity 
It just has. If you've ever experienced rejection, I'm so sorry. But it's going to affect your identity. If you've ever had a failure or a a series of failures, it's going to affect you. If you've had a crisis or a catastrophe, all of these things move us, shape us, and, and they leave us with a different identity than before. And then number four, my consciousness. My consciousness. It's how I talk to myself. That's your consciousness. I I was preaching one time on John 17, which is Jesus' prayer talking to the Father. And someone said, that's so weird when I think about it, that God was talking to God. But you talk to yourself all the time, don't you? I I mean, think about it. Some of you are going like, no, I don't talk to myself. You're doing it right now. You're thinking, Mark, you've been reading my mail. Or you're thinking, Mark, that last point was... That sucked, man. That was terrible. And I I just, you know, when is lunch? You're saying something to yourself right now, right? And and so we talk to ourselves continuously. You know, if some of you talk to your friends like you talk to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. You realize that. I mean, you are your own worst critic, your toughest critic. And by the way, you lie to yourself all the time the bible says that that's true that we tell ourselves lies all the time that the heart is deceitful and 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 that's where you know we you're going to think 50,000 thoughts today experts tell us some of you it's around 10,000 but you know some of us you know maybe more I don't know but at 50,000 and All of those thoughts, they're just going through your mind. And what you do, you're the thinker. You're the one thinking the thoughts. So that doesn't make them true. But you think because it came into your head, it must be true. My marriage is terrible. Why did you think it was great yesterday? Why why this afternoon it's going to be great again? But right now it's just terrible. Terrible. You know why? Because all the way to church you argued or something, right? And that's just, that's, I don't know why that is, but that's like the trip to church. We're going to argue, right? And then we'll kind of fake it when we get there. (laughs) All good, right? But I don't know why you're sitting over here and she's sitting over there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. And, And we're always talking to ourselves. The Bible says, as we think in our heart, that's who we are. Some of you are saying this morning, Mark, you know, I'm sure this is going to be a great message about change, but there's nothing I can do to change this particular area of my life. Let me ask you something. Are you sure? Who told you that? Well, I told myself that. Are you an expert in this? I mean, do you know this is true? See, we've got to challenge ourselves all the time. There's nothing I can do to change that. I'm just going to be this. Right? And and who told you that? Maybe someone else told you that. Maybe someone said, you're never going to amount to anything. And you just said, never going to amount. And you believed it and you took it and you began to tell yourself that. Chances are you're not going to amount to anything. But you know what? That's a lie. And it's only because you keep telling yourself that it comes. Feelings aren't. Facts. In fact, you might want to write that down because in America today, we, we really get confused about that. I've lost that love and feeling, you know? 
But love is not a feeling. Love is actions that we do, and feelings come on the heels of that. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks in our marriage time together, that we, we, those four weeks. So we've got some really cool truths that are life-changing. Someone said to me not long ago, I just feel like no one's ever going to want to marry me at my age. And I was like, who told you that? Well, I told myself that. I said, well, you have not been at some of the weddings I've officiated seen who got married to who because they would have chosen you for sure over that one I mean I'm just saying you know so how do you know my consciousness affects my identity number five my choices my choices the Bible says you were created in the image of God it doesn't say that about any other creation dogs weren't created in the image of God. They're pretty cool. But they weren't. Cats. I don't know about cats. But. What it means more than anything else. Is that you have free moral choice. You have a chance to choose. You're made in God's image. That's our greatest blessing. The freedom of choice. That's our greatest curse. As humankind. Freedom of choice. But here's the good news about this. God says this is like the wild card in your hand. You can change all of the other cards with this one. You can change the suit. You can change everything about it. You can, you can change everything else with this card because you're made in the image of God and God changes things. God creates things. And that's the secret of Christianity. The secret of Christianity is so much cooler than any other religion so much cooler than psychology what God demands he provides what God demands he provides if he asks us to do something to change in some way he provides the power to do it he doesn't just say hey I want you to change psychology says here's the problem here's what you need to do to change and you think but I'm powerless to do it God says here's the problem here's what I want you to do and then he infuses us he already has if we stepped into this relationship with him with power it's the Holy Spirit living inside of us to make that change happen so if you ever say I can't change this about me I can't change that then if you're a believer that's just not true look what it says in Philippians 4 13 I can do everything God asked me to with the power of Christ who gives me the strength and power. A Christian has a new power residing inside. It's the power to choose what is right. Let me ask you, do you believe that? That's what it means when you step into a relationship with Christ and you call yourself a believer. What are you believing? I'm believing that Christ has changed me. I'm a new creation on the inside. He's infused me with power to do what I need to do and to work that out in my life. You know, you didn't choose your early relationships. You, you, didn't, you didn't get to choose them, but you can choose how you respond to them. You didn't get to choose your body and the things that you're dealing with, but you can choose how you respond to that. You didn't choose your circumstances. But you're able to respond. You're response able, responsible. 
That's what it means to be responsible about your life. Even my consciousness. I don't control the old tapes necessarily that I've been going over and over with myself. But I can stop that and say, this is where it stops. This is where it moves. Okay? These things that we're going to talk about, they're going to shape 2018. And these are five choices that a believer, that a Christian can make from Scripture that will shape 2018. So get ready. Here we go. Number one, a Christian has the power to get healthy. A Christian has the power to get healthy. I don't care what handicap you have in your life. You can be healthier than you are right now. Now, I didn't say that you could totally eradicate everything but there are some choices that you can make that will increase your energy that will lower your stress you can eat better you can find how to sleep better and reduce the stress you know there are things that that you you can't change there there are things that you're not going to be an inch taller if you've already grown to adulthood you know if I could just be an inch taller you're never going to be as handsome as me. It's just probably not going to happen. But let me tell you something. God can say, here's the choices you can make. Some of you are living in lies. I, I, just, I just can't get, I just can't do that. I can't, I can't get victory in this area of my life. Maybe it's my eating or exercising or whatever. And God says, that's a lie that you're telling yourself if you're a believer. If you're not a believer... I'm not saying that because you don't have the power residing inside. The Bible says this, you made my body, Lord. Now give me sense to heed your laws. I would say your laws about my body is what it's speaking to there. You made my body. Let me understand how this temple of, that you've put together is supposed to work. There are a lot of things that are in your control. Maybe you need to get a, a, a checkup. Maybe... Get a blood work done. Find out what's going on. Maybe see a dentist. Maybe some kind of supplement. I'd like to work on my marriage. I'd like to work on my health. I'd like to work on my career. But I'm so exhausted. By the time I get home at night, I just lay in front of the TV and veg. You know? That's, that's a choice. You can do something about that. What do I need to do physically? Shakespeare said it's impossible to be a philosopher with a toothache. And I think that's true. I think it's hard to feel close to God in a sluggish, out-of-shape body. And it just is. I, I've been dieting some lately, and, and it's, it's horrible. You know what? It, it, I'm hungry sometimes. And you shouldn't be hungry, right? I saw all the advertisements. I mean, Marie Osmond said, if you'll just eat this cardboard stuff that I'm going to send you, You'll never be hungry, and it'll be amazing. And or, 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 you know, if you just get a shake weight or whatever, you know, get get one of those kind of things. It's just whatever it takes. That's not true. I'll tell you the truth. It's going to be excruciating. Somebody said, "How's the diet going?" I said, "Oh my gosh, it's painful, but I have so much more energy. It's crazy." And you know, last night after I had said this last night in the message, I went home. And, and, and I ate Taco Bell and seven Oreos. I'm just going to be vulnerable with you. That does not, you know, I felt horrible all night. I had like 
you know, I just couldn't even sleep well. And I was like, what were you doing? But I just, I decided I was going to just pray. So I just prayed in the night and asked the Lord first to forgive me, you know. And then to, to keep walking with him. Give me that. I know you've given, you've already put that inside of me. I want to keep walking like this. I want you to see a second thing. A Christian not only has the power to get healthy, but a Christian has the power to risk connecting. That's an intentional choice to make my relationships better. They can be better than they are right now. I can choose to deepen my relationships. I can learn some communication skills. This, this marriage event that we're having over the next four weeks, starting in two weeks, we'll have it four weeks in a row. That, that's going to be huge for a lot of you. Even if you're not married. Because it's about how to deepen relationships. How to communicate. Some things that it took Laura and I about six or seven years to learn. I mean, I, at the, it was about five or six at the end of that. We thought we were done. We weren't doing well. And we'll tell you about it. It's just we're vulnerable about it. I remember my little son just a little bitty kid going, Dad, are you leaving? And I'm thinking, I'm out of here, man. But I couldn't leave him. But we started getting counseling, and we started learning some principles from God that turned everything around. Now it's the sweetest thing in my life. We're leaving this afternoon to go to Mexico for a few days to celebrate our 34th anniversary. 34. I should get a gold star in heaven. No, that's not really true. <laughs> Laura, Laura should get the gold star, and y'all all know that, right? But the fear of rejection keeps us from connecting. Look what the Bible says, though. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. You know why you fear? Because you're thinking about yourself. Love doesn't do that. Love thinks about the other person. Did you know if I came here... You, you don't believe this, I know some of you, but I am actually kind of shy, okay? Now some of you are going, that's not true, but, but it is. But one of the things that I've learned is that I can let God's love infuse me, and if I was up here and God's love wasn't pouring out toward you, because I know he's given me this message for you, I would just be a mess. I'd be like, is there broccoli in my teeth? I mean, how do I look? Oh, wait, I'm slumping again which is normal, or for me, you know. But it, it, it's, it's not about me. It's about you. When you walk into a party and you're just thinking, what do people think about me? That's not love. Love is going, who's here that I can encourage? Who's here that I can make a difference? When, when you get back in the dating pool, some of you are going, like, I hate that stuff, right? Think about who you can encourage. And everyone that you date even if you don't stay with them, they should be better for it, not worse for it, right? Don't leave them with regrets. So you, you, you start to think differently. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, like I'm nothing, I'm just a piece of junk. That's not humility. That's still a pride, like a backwards, upside-down kind of pride because you're still thinking about yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, I'm not a, an authority on a lot of things, but I am an authority on fear because I've experienced a lot of fear. I, I don't know. That was just one of the things that comes naturally to me. It's almost organic to me. As a little kid, five, six years old, I would go in and tell my mom, I think I'm having a heart attack. 
one time she even took me to the doctor and uh, you know to check my heart and found out it was just gas but the the thing is I was scared. I was scared. I was scared, you know, I, I would read about stuff. Thank God the internet wasn't like it is now because I would have been a total mess. But like I came in, Mama, I'm afraid I'm going to get BBs. And she's like, BBs? What are you talking about? A dog's going to bite me and it's going to be foaming at its mouth. It's going to give me BBs. I was a weird little kid. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to risk. You know how you face fear? It, it, that's what you do. You face it. You, you can't rationalize it away. You have to feel the fear and do it anyway. One of Laura's favorite book titles. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You step into it. And, and that's what makes the difference. Some of you are going like, well, I tried to love before, Pastor. And, you know, she just took my heart and put it in the grinder and made hamburger meat out of it. And going on to this whole big long thing. I understand. I get that. But does that mean that the Bible says, well, oh, you've been, you've been hamburgered, buddy. So you don't ever have to love again. You, you get exempted. No, it doesn't say that. It commands us to love. And, and what do you do when, when your love is blocked? Well, move it in a different direction. There are literally billions of people in this world today that need love there are some little orphans right now that would just I mean they're dying literally for someone to just love them and and you begin to see that you can do that you can make a difference in this world number three a Christian has the power to trust God look what this says God knows us far better than we know ourselves that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God has worked into something good God knew what he was doing from the very beginning do you believe that He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original intended shape of our lives there in him. We can choose to trust God regardless of our circumstances. No matter what happens. And that's that's a confidence nobody in Hollywood has. That's a confidence nobody on Wall Street has. That's a, a confidence that nobody on Capitol Hill has. We can choose that. This is a confidence. Put, fill in this blank. I'm a product of my past, but I'm not a prisoner of it. I'm a product of my past, but I'm not a prisoner of it. Yes, it's influenced me. My chemistry, my connections, my circumstances all influenced me. I'm a product, but I'm not a prisoner. I can be different. And that brings me to number four. A Christian has the power to rewire the brain. I can't choose what other people say about me, but I can choose what I allow into my brain. Some of it, I'm not saying think positive thoughts. I'm saying the first big step is to realize you're the thinker. A lot of those thoughts can just be dismissed. Why did you grab that one? My marriage is terrible. Why did you pick that one? And most of the time, you know, when we examine our lives is when we're in a low mood. Have you ever figured that out? When you're in a good mood, you're just rocking along, everything's good. But you get in a low mood, I think I'm going to take a look at my marriage now. It's terrible. Right? Because everything's going to look terrible when you're in a low mood. Now, if you examine your marriage in a, in a good mood and it's still terrible, get counseling. All right? We're going to have that over these four weeks of this marriage thing. But I'm just telling you, 
That is what we tend to do. Some of you, you've just developed so many patterns. In 2002, a guy won the Nobel Prize for showing that the adult mind is still, adult brain is still malleable. It changes. In fact, your brain will look different at the end of 2018 than it does now. For some of you, that's going to be a really good thing. Because you've just, as you, as you reconnect those neurons, it's all this electric stuff that your thoughts, and you're believing these lies, and they're just, I can never change this. I can never do that. It's just a lie, and it's time to stop believing lies. What do you do? You fill it, fill your mind with truth, and they begin to reconnect in a different way. If you could see the actual organic brain, you could see it really clearly down into the very neurons you would see that it reconnects and it actually changes see some of you have got these great big pathways grand canyon of doubt or despair and God's saying I want you to begin to move what you do you don't just try to think positive thoughts I'm not saying I'm not into that what you do is you grab scripture 7,000 promises in scripture that are true for you as a believer 1500 in the New Testament that are true for you as a believer and you grab those and they're like little pebbles on the scale. Let's just say you got, you're super depressed and you began to put this. One, mine was fear and I, as a little kid even, I started memorizing verses. What time I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. And I would say that a lot. As I'm walking through the house at night as a six-year-old with my hand in front of my Face, you know why you do this? Why you walk through in the dark like this? So if a robber is there and he wants to throw a rope over you and choke you, look, ha ha. Ha, try that. It's brilliant. That was brilliant for a six-year-old. Well, what time I am afraid I will put my, and eventually I got my hand down. It was crazy the first time I was able to put my hand down, you know. Last week when I did that. And it was. <laughs> but we, we have these things. You know. Uh, th- that we're dealing with. The Bible said it a long time ago. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. By changing the way you think. It changes your brain. And as you put those little pebbles. On that scale. It begins to move. Pebbles of truth. And, it begins, and when it finally evens out, what do you feel? Nothing. Because it just evened out. So you uh, kind of blah. That's a good theological word. Kind of blah. But you keep on putting those pebbles and it begins to continue to shift. And then you begin to see. And you begin to feel differently. Feelings follow actions. You can mark that down. Feelings always follow actions. If you're trying to feel your way into a new way of being or a new way of acting, it's never going to work. You have to act your way into a new way of feeling. And that's super biblical. And then lastly, a Christian has the power to take the next right step. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. See, some of you, one of your tendencies is to think way out there. Like, I can never, it's so big and I'm so messed up. And I need to be way up here and I'm way down here. Quit thinking that way. Take The next right step. That's what changes your brain. That's what begins to rewire. That's what begins to do that. Find that verse, that promise, and and memorize it. 